What's going on, everybody? My name is Ben Woolby. This is Alex Caruso. And this is week 11 of players to buy, sell, and start. The Thanksgiving trade deadline is quickly approaching. So this is maybe close to our last chance to be buying and selling before the trade deadline officially happens. And we are going to be on our own on waivers and our start set decisions to lead us to fantasy football championships. So let's start with players to buy. Ben, who is the first player that you must be buying before the trade deadline right now? I want to be buying Hollywood Brown, who surprisingly, with Kyler Murray back, uh, came off of his worst game of the season where he recorded season lows, one reception, four targets, uh, less than four fantasy points. And in the six games without DeAndre Hopkins, here's a list of wide receivers who put up more fantasy points than DeAndre Hopkins. Or, sorry, than Hollywood Brown. DeAndre Hopkins is one of them. But Stephon Diggs, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Tyree Kill, Jamar Chase, Amara St. Brown, and Devontae Adams. Those are the only players to score more fantasy points for the first six games last season. And then De- um, DeAndre Hopkins comes through, and suddenly Hollywood Brown falls off the face of the earth. But we've seen that this connection between Kyler Murray and Hollywood Brown is meaningful. He's finished as a top 24 wide receiver in 50% of his games so far this season. So you're buying a top 24 guy, possibly top 15 if all goes like it went last season. You're doing it at a wide receiver three price tag. I am buying Hollywood Brown at that price all day. I can't get enough of just how many targets he sees pretty much every game with Kyler Murray. I know we didn't see it last week, but like... We saw the first beginning stretch last year that he was targeted double digits pretty much every single game. I think that's going to continue this year because he is clearly the number one guy. Also love Trey McBride. My number one buy has got to be Devon A-Chain. I mean, he played three full games this year. And in those three full games, he had over 20 fantasy points in every single game. I mean, he was like the number two running back in fantasy football through the first five weeks while playing just three games. So I think when you can target that kind of explosiveness, I think people are a little bit worried that he's a rookie coming off a knee injury. But again, we're talking about championships. We're talking about upside like we do every single week. I think that he is the kind of player that can lead you to it, especially when you get down the stretch. Devon A-Chain, I mean, he's looked absolutely incredible when he's been active. Um, Any feelings on Raheem Mostert or not really? I think Raheem Mostert still keeps a role. I think Jeff Wilson is completely done for. I mean, we we have not seen anything promising like a lot of people expected. I think it's going to be a two-man backfield with, Thunder and Lightning, A-Chain obviously being the Lightning. I think both of them are going to see double-digit touches a game. But as we've seen with A-Chain, A-Chain so far, is just that you know he doesn't need 20 touches a game to be really productive in fantasy. And as long as both are seeing double-digit touches, both should be you know pretty strong fantasy assets going forward. Completely agree. And I feel very strongly about buying Mark Andrews just as much. Another really elite talent, this one at the tight end position. Um, when we take a look at Mark Andrews, he's kind of fallen behind some of the really big names that have started popping up this season. You know, um, suddenly he's not a top five tight end week in and week out. He's actually the tight end 11 in per game performance over the last couple of weeks. And notably, if you take a look at the season, it's probably because of Zay Flowers. He has nine more targets than Mark Andrews does on the season. But a lot of that comes from week one when Mark Andrews was out. Uh, if you exclude that game, then Mark Andrews actually has more targets than Zay Flowers does on the season. Um, But Andrews also has nearly four more fantasy points per game than Flowers. Andrews is coming off of his worst week of the entire season, but tight ends versus Cleveland are only averaging 3.6 points per games. And Lamar has had a string of really bad weeks as well. He's averaging the quarterback 22 
uh, over the past three games. When you take a look at the remaining schedule for the Baltimore Ravens, according to um, Fantasy Pros, they have a top three schedule for tight ends moving forward. You take a look at how Mark Andrews, again, he hasn't been top five. He hasn't even been top 10 over the last couple of weeks. So if you can kind of buy him with that in mind and know that moving forward, there's a good chance he returns to top three action. I'll buy an elite tight end like Mark Andrews all day, every day. I, I can't get enough of it. Again, the tight end landscape, there's not a lot of options. There's not a lot of people that you can trust. And again, championships, upside, trust has to be with Mark Andrews because he's one of the few tight ends that could explode for 30 fantasy points on any given week. I mean, the list of guys that can do that is as simple as Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, and I guess George Kittle can do it, just not likely in that offense. But I think I'm going to be buying someone that's going to continue to get better over the course of the second half of the season in Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, we've seen his first read target share go up in consecutive weeks. He's been right near the top for the Seahawks. And I think that, you know, he's pretty much the wide receiver too at this point. I mean, I think that he could be ahead of DK, Mac DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett. It just depends on the week. But they've continued to use him more. And they have the best fantasy playoff schedule of any team. All three teams they play in the fantasy playoffs are all in bottom six wide receiver defenses. So even with Lockett and Metcalf healthy, I think JSN is still going to be a league winner. And right now he is dirt cheap in price. It helps because my uh, my first sell is, is going to be Tyler Lockett. And I think when you think about the scope of this offense, like Tyler Lockett looks like he's been the wide receiver one. Uh, he has the most fantasy points of all of the wide receivers. And last week he scored 92 yards and a touchdown. Sounds like a perfect opportunity to sell him when you consider that DK Metcalf is the team's wide receiver one with JSN providing some future upward value as well. But DK Metcalf, uh, if you split like between Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, who had uh, more fantasy points in that given week, you'd see four for Lockett and four for Metcalf. So you're probably like, all right, like they're neck and neck. DK is only averaging 0.3 fewer points per game than Lockett. But you got to consider Lockett or, or Metcalf's edge with his consistent usage, right? He has a higher target per outrun, a higher target share, and his really impressive yards perception, 15.8, is the number that ranks eighth among all wide receivers with at least 25 receptions. And this is a team that they're facing the Cardinals this week. The Cardinals are allowing the eighth fewest points per game to the wide receiver position. So I don't really know that DK Lockett or JSN are going to have a really good game um this week so getting rid of Lockett and maybe getting Metcalf or JSN and looking forward to either the guy who's extremely undervalued or the actual number one in this offense before that schedule uh that really good schedule that these wide receivers have comes together that's what I would be doing yeah I I love that again goes right with the JSN I think that Tyler Lockett's probably the odd man I'm not the odd man out I don't think it's fair to say I think he can still explode any given week just like we saw last week but I think when it comes down to it He's probably going to be more likely to be the number three guy in this offense. But again, still an elite playoff schedule. I probably wouldn't be selling Lockett just because I think of how productive you can be and you can't find players with that good of matchups come playoffs. But I hear what you're saying. I'd be selling Debo Samuel instead. Again, we've been talking about this since the offseason through this season. I mean, this week right now in consensus rankings, he's ranked as the wide receiver 16, which is so crazy to me because, again, he has that like boom upside. But the wide receiver 16, are we serious? Like, again, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk. Ayuk has taken things to another level this year. George Kittle's still really good, and CMC is like the best running back in fantasy football. Just not enough room for Debo Samuel every week consistency-wise. I think if the 49ers could build a time machine and go back one week, 
Debo's touchdown would have been a Christian McCaffrey touchdown. Yeah. I think that they regret so much letting Debo take. That was one of like a handful of touches that Debo even had. That's the only reason why he was relevant this week. And I don't even think the 49ers coaches wanted him to have the ball. When you consider that Sam Darnold was trying to throw the ball to Christian McCaffrey last week to help keep that streak alive. I mean, Debo Samuel is just, you want to talk about the odd man out. He's the the he's ranked fourth of all the guys I would want on that offense between all the elite uh, skill yeah. positions. Hundred percent. Well, again, tight ends really valuable, and then you have the best running back in fantasy football, and then you have another guy that's been a top twelve wide receiver. So I think there's not enough room in that offense, especially when they're still in the bottom five for pass attempts. You know, if they were throwing the ball as much as Minnesota does, sure. But like they're throwing the ball as much as Tennessee does, which is really bad when you have four fantasy superstars in one offense. Again, people understand it. Just not enough to trust when it comes down to crunch time as far as fantasy goes. Who would be the next guy that you'd be selling at this point? I mean, you want to talk about teams that are passing the ball. No team is passing the ball more than the Washington Commanders, which is why I feel like you are in a prime position now to sell Brian Robinson Jr. I mean, you take a look at his last week. He was incredible. He's the only running back to now finish with two running back one uh, games on the season. Uh, a combination of the awful defense that the Commanders have and a surprisingly talented quarterback who is taking way too many sacks. Washington, they're averaging 41 pass attempts per game. They are they have the highest pass rate in the entire NFL, and they're third behind the Chiefs and the Bengals in pass rate over expected. And last week, Brian Robinson Jr. only saw eight rushes, eight, and he finishes the running back one. He did that because of what he was able to do through the air. He totaled six receptions, 119 yards, and a touchdown. But that's not what we're expecting from Brian Robinson Jr. He's yet to run more routes than Antonio Gibson. Gibson is averaging seven more routes per game. And Robinson has only seen more um, targets than Gibson in two games. Gibson's averaging one more target and one more reception than Robinson over the course of the season. If you split things up, Robinson, he's the RB12 on a points per game basis, but he's not even startable as a running back one. And knowing what we know about how this team wants to divvy up passing work, it's mostly through Antonio Gibson. We're going to see some regression with Brian Robinson, um, really just not seeing the volume that Gibson has. And be looking to sell Brian Robinson like he's a running back one, knowing that you're either upgrading entirely or getting a package deal in return. So right now, I mean, like you mentioned, like Sam Howell is pretty much on pace to beat the record for NFL pass attempts. So that that obviously hurts Brian Robinson. But again, I think earlier in the season, like Brian Robinson was considered like a league winner. He was really great. So at this point, we got about five or six weeks left in fantasy football season. Would you rather have Antonio Gibson or Brian Robinson in a PPR mm -hmm. league? I think I'd rather have brian robinson but only because he's been the better of the two we do have seen him score more touchdowns we've seen him get involved in the passing work he is averaging more touches per game than antonio gibson so i prefer him but even still i don't really prefer him over you know if he's the rb12 i could probably name 20 running backs i prefer over him rest of the season that's a that's a fair point i think that i personally at this point would probably take antonio gibson um, because I, I worry about game script and some of the matchups that they have coming up could be a little bit more problematic for sure. Brian Robinson than for Antonio Gibson. Um, but I think that it's pretty close, which is pretty crazy to say, because if you asked me five or six weeks ago, it would have been Brian Robinson, you know, six ways to Sunday. But what what's what about like for someone like the Browns offense right now? Like where where would you go there? Like, would you be selling them or buying them at this point since we're on the topic? Because Deshaun Watson has been ruled out for the season. 
So what do you do with every option in the offense between the big three of Jerome Ford, Amari Cooper, and David Njoku? What do you do? You pray. None of these guys are going to have as good of a season as they had with Deshaun Watson, unfortunately. Like uh, Amari Cooper, if you take a look at his target share, he has nearly an identical target share when Deshaun Watson is in versus when he's out. But his fantasy points per game drop off a cliff, nearly like 60% production. Maybe the only guy worth continuing to hang on to and start regularly is, is Jerome Ford. But I really don't even understand how you would do that when we've seen Kareem Hunt become more and more involved in this offense. It's dangerous. I, I think if there is a way to sell these guys, I, I definitely would because Me they're too. like the living equivalent of a ticking time bomb where like, you know, it, it doesn't matter because like there's there could be a point where you know, whoever their backup quarterback is, you know, gets hurt and they put in someone even worse. Like, I just think like, it's at the point now where I think if you look at the rest of the season, it's not going to get better. So when it's not going to get better, if you can sell for anything, I probably wouldn't be doing it. You got a committee with the running backs. Amari Cooper's going to be hard to trust Dave, week to week. David Njoku is the only guy I'd probably just be holding because he's been playing well. But like, I don't know if I'd be optimistic or what you could really trade for David and Joku at that point. But the other guys, I would definitely be selling. But let's move on to this week for week 11. This is a big week. Playoff implications are starting to come into fold because some weeks only have four weeks left until the playoffs. Like, Who are some guys that you think need to be in lineups and could go for absolute explosion weeks this week? I feel like it's dumb to say, hey, everybody, start Jameer Gibbs when Jameer Gibbs is one of the best running backs over the last month. But now that David Montgomery is in the fold, maybe you're scratching your head and you're like, yeah, it was last week a fluke. Take this as nothing more than a vote of confidence for Jameer Gibbs moving forward. He led, totally unexpectedly, he led the Lions in touches last week, right? He outpaced David Montgomery 17 to 12 in touches. And it's it's common that a player coming back from injury sees reduced touches. And that's fine, right? That David Montgomery had reduced touches. But what is concerning was the Lions' decision to utilize Gibbs in the red zone. He had just as many goal line carries as David Montgomery, which we have not seen all season long. And guess who scored the touchdowns? It wasn't David Montgomery. It was Jameer Gibbs who scored two goal line touchdowns. The only reason David Montgomery was relevant was last week was that 75-yard house call for a touchdown. And that was awesome. But he, we all know that he can't do that week to week. With Gibbs showcasing significant usage in week 10, he is a must-start running back until he is no longer being used in the way that we've seen him over the past month. Yeah, I think that I agree. But would you... Do you worry? I agree, I agree, but I think there is a part of it that worries me when you think about the fact that for David Montgomery in this role, like it's never gone away. So like even last year with you know DeAndre Swift, I think Gibbs probably better than Swift, but like yes. the, the whoever this like bruising running back is a role that'll never go away in that offense. Like, do you think that can capture Jameer Gibbs, or do you think this team understands more than the Falcons do? that we have to give this guy the ball if he's the number 12 pick, you know, even with the way how he's playing right now. I think it's both, right? I think that there's room for both of these guys in the offense when you consider that you always like to say that over the past two seasons, the Detroit Lions have out have more expected fantasy points than any other backfield, right? The running backs from the Detroit Lions. You also consider their tendencies at the goal line. This is the team that likes probably the only, only the Eagles like to run the ball more at the goal line than the Detroit Lions. They score a ton of rushing touchdowns. And that limits Jared Goff's upside. That limits Amon Ross St. Brown's upside. Could you imagine if those were all passing touchdowns? We'd be talking about Jared Goff like he's a top five quarterback. Talking about Amon Ross like he's number three behind the obvious number two, right? But instead, we're not. We're talking about how these are good guys. 
but I want to be starting Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery this week. Obviously not if you have both of them on the same team, you're limiting your upside, but for real life fantasy football purposes, there's no upside. I mean, Jameer Gibbs is startable. David Montgomery is startable. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point. And that's a good way to to look at it. I think, again, we talked about it all offseason that both running backs can be productive. But I think it's worth noting just how much extra usage Gibbs was seeing beyond 50-50. And that's where I wonder, like, can that actually hold up for the rest of the season? Someone else I'm going to be starting this week. I know that people are sick, tired, and ready to get rid of him. It's got to be Tony Pollard. You know, he's still seeing usage. He's still seeing touches. We've been talking about it for too long as Tony Pollard is a buy low and all like this is going to be the week. But, you know, this is another like if he doesn't score, you know, at least 10 to 15 points this week, I'm out on him. He's playing the Panthers, second most allowed fantasy points. We talked about Chris Olave last week. I'm going to give up on him if he doesn't score double digit points. Chris Olave came through. It's Tony Pollard's turn to come through and put in a really big week for fantasy managers to give us confidence going into the playoffs. How does it make you feel that Rico Dowdle saw some additional red zone work last week? I think it was more of a fluke because they knew they were playing the Giants and that they were going to absolutely like you know run the brakes off of them. I think there's certain matchups they're going to have going forward in more competitive games, but I think Mike McCarthy saw Tommy DeVito on the other side. No disrespect to him, but like he said, okay, we're going to win this game. Let's keep Tony Pollard as fresh as we can. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that this is the last week for Tony Pollard. If you can grab him this yep. week awesome but keep in mind that's one of the biggest most risky decisions that you can make he has been really disappointing this year and if he does not bounce back right now ahead of the fantasy football playoffs he probably never will in this matchup yeah i, I think feel, this, is, this is do or die do or die yeah and i feel so. really similarly about aaron jones right like he's back he's healthy he's somebody who i think if he does not have a good week this week you can't really trust him moving forward, right? He's out-touched A.J. Dillon in every single game that he's played except for one, and he's coming off of his best two-game stretch of all season, 41 touches. A.J. Dillon just hasn't been impressive, right? We know that this offense flows through Aaron Jones. He's seen twice as many red zone touches in back-to-back games uh, for compared to A.J. Dillon's. And even though Aaron Jones has only scored 10 or more fantasy points in two games so far this week, look at this matchup against the LA Chargers who are allowing the 10th most points to the running back position. We're just talking about Jameer Gibbs. We're just talking about David Montgomery. They both finished with monster games last week. So maybe AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones both do it, but my money's on Aaron Jones, the guy who is the clear cut number one, finally back, finally healthy, finally being leaned upon in this type of volume for the first time this season, right? When we consider that the Chargers have allowed nine running backs to go over double-digit fantasy points from a combination of through the air and through the ground, I think it's safe to say Aaron Jones, is, is we're all hoping for him to be the 10th there. I think this is a really good matchup for him this week. Yeah, again, I think the theme this throughout this whole episode is just, again, we're, we're, we're talking about the playoffs. We're talking about the upside at this point. And I think that, again, like this is – I don't think there's many people that are probably listening to this that are playing for second place so I think that Aaron Jones, you know, Tony Pollard, Jameer Gibbs are people that you're going to have to play them and hope that they respect you enough for putting them in your lineup, even when they're disappointing you, that they're going to come through when it counts. I think someone else that reminds me of that is DeAndre Hopkins. You know, he let us down big time last week. I thought he was going to have a huge game against the Bucs. Will Levis just missed him on a couple plays. And I think the concern is, okay, is Will Levis going to hold him back? Because DeAndre Hopkins is still really good without a lot of target competition. But I think that... Will Levis is going to get better throwing the ball. 
and I love what their matchups are for the next couple of weeks. And I think that DeAndre Hopkins is eventually going to find his mojo, especially once Will Levis gets a couple more games under his belt. Yeah, I mean, if you watch, you know, I'm a I'm a numbers guy. I don't watch football, but if you watch the tape, I think you'll see how close Levis was to connecting to DeAndre Hopkins. Like it, it was pretty close. And all he needed was one or two of those for us to be like, wow, that's two big games, you know, over a span of three weeks. Yeah, and, I, and that's what's ultimately going to come back at, at the end of the day. Last thing I, I want to ask about really quick that we we talked about we talked about Bijan a lot on this show. We called him a buy low last week. He saw really good usage from Arthur Smith. Like Arthur Smith, we can't trust him. He hasn't been fired yet, but I feel like there has to be some sentiment right now that maybe he's coaching for his job. So when we're approaching Bijan for the next couple weeks, are we still saying the same as like the best is yet to come? By Bijan, he's going to be the guy, or do you worry enough about Arthur Smith and where this offense is headed that maybe we don't see those big weeks from Bijan come playoff time? I think at this point, we know how the Atlanta Falcons are planning on using Bijan Robinson. Like, it just is what it is. He's fine. He's startable. He just wasn't worth your first round pick. Sorry. Hopefully, you did a good enough job drafting around him where you either have better options to start. Hopefully, you traded him away uh, when you had the opportunity. And hopefully you can figure it out because I think Bijan is what Bijan is. And all you can really do is hope for the best. I wouldn't be trading him away because we've seen what first round rookie running backs are capable of doing. Um, I wouldn't be trading him away because he is truly a generational talent. But at the same point, it's hard to stomach starting him week in and week out when he's not putting up a 30 point game like Christian McCaffrey is. Yeah, and that's a that's a really fair point. I think that's like the toughest part of it is when you have you know people with bad coaching situations or offenses that hold them back. But at the end of the day, I think you just have to hope that you know the, whoever you know is beeping the horn behind me is just as excited about Bijan as we are because yes, I think sir. that again they have great playoff matchups. They face three straight bottom ten run defenses for fantasy football. You're going to have to just take the guy that you've taken. You probably took in the first round of your drafts and hope that he's going to come through for you come playoff time. And and Alex, I, I got to ask too, because we were talking a little bit about Tommy DeVito and I was talking about Saquon Barkley last week. I'm curious, where are you at with Saquon? How, do, you, how, do you see my perspective? I know last week you maybe didn't, but this week I feel like we saw what the Giants did last week. We saw Saquon see, you know, he had the most targets of any New York Giant, only saw one reception for negative five yards. Like volumes there, efficiency not. What's your standpoint on Saquon moving forward? I, I think it's time to get rid of him. I, I mean, like, I, I think that the volume is really attractive, but like we saw this with Christian McCaffrey, you know, a couple of years ago. Like, once a team's not competitive and they're starting like an undrafted rookie, you know, at, at quarterback every week. Like, why are you going to take your star running back that you're paying so much and continuing to run them in the ground? I think, again, we saw with Cooper Cup last year. I know a wide receiver, but they weren't trying to rush him back at the end of the season when their team was hopeless. So I think it's only a matter of time before they shut down Saquon Barkley. And people are going to say, no, like, they're going to keep running Saquon Barkley out. They're NFL's not. a business, you know, unless the GM has Saquon Barkley on his fantasy team, which you know he doesn't. Um, I think that, that he is a little bit screwed. Would you agree with that sentiment or do you feel like that you'd be buying him a little bit more because he's going to see the volume and play through week 17? No, we talked about this last week. I think that even if he sees more touches than any other player in the entire NFL, the efficiency is just not going to be there. And, and I don't even know how many touchdowns he's going to score. I think, you know, for the Giants choosing to put Saquon Barkley 
in that backfield week in and week out with Tommy DeVito at the quarterback is letting your 16 year old son who just got his driver's permit drive your 83 Camaro, right? Like really <laughs> you just signed him to a, remember the discourse we were having about Saquon Barkley during the off season? Yeah. Like, is he going to play? Is he going to hold out? How do you think the giants are approaching the situation? They want Saquon to come back next year, but they want to do it for cheap. And if they let him get a ton of touches and he looks really great, he's going to be like, peace. I'm out. If he gets hurt, then everyone's screwed. They're not going to be able to do anything with him. So at the end of the day, I think the NFL is a business. They want to rest him, make sure he feels good and say, Hey, come back next year. You're not, you know, you don't really got a good market. We're going to shut you down. Your ankle hurts. I just, there's a million outs for the New York Giants, and I don't think they are going to continue to be rolling out Saquon Barkley like a bell cow. It's going to have to end somewhere. So I think that that is where we can leave it. But don't forget to tune in next week. We're going to be changing around the schedules. Make sure to be following the 33rd team on Twitter because. Shows are going to be changing around a little bit. We're going to see a little bit of a different mix-up with Thanksgiving coming along. But we appreciate you all tuning in. We're going to give you all the fantasy goodness that you can possibly desire that you can eat right along with the turkey come Thanksgiving time. But that is it for today. Don't forget to like, subscribe, turn the bell notifications on for more of that 33rd team goodness coming out each and every single day until the rest of the season.